Amen. Oh, church, you can be seated. As they might say, you can be seated if you can. You can be seated if you can. That's your business. That's just your business. If you can't, that's fine. You just have to stand the whole time. That's fine. I don't need you quite yet, Pastor Ethan, but, I mean, you can. You can hang out if you want. You can hang out if you want. You're, you're cool. We can hang out. So I'm going to invite a couple of people to read our passages of Scripture. Uh, just no big deal. It's my daughter, Ruthie. And, uh, and uh, she's back. She's back. And uh, we're going to have some Scripture reading. We are going to now walk through the, do you want this table? Okay. The entire story of what happened on Easter Sunday. So I want you to really listen carefully to the scriptures as they're read this morning. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took their spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Amen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words sounded to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. The world's worst Sabbath, Saturday in the Jewish culture, finally dragged to a close, and the sun rose on the next day. And when you hear the gospel writers tell the story, I just want you to take a second and imagine, um, the, we call it almost like a silent Saturday. We just don't really know what the disciples were doing. We don't know what happened after they scattered. We have very, very little information about where everybody was. But you do sort of get the sense from the gospel writers that because of that, they were separated from Jesus entirely. They, they played a very minor role. The disciples, those closest people to him, played a very minor role at the cross. They were maybe watching from a distance. Um, we know from, uh, from John's gospel that John was there, but he's the only one who's mentioned at the death of Jesus. In Luke's gospel, not one of these disciples who had been with him all of this time are mentioned at all since Jesus' arrest. Did Jesus tell them that he was going to rise from the dead on the third day? Yep. Had they ignored it or maybe just misunderstood what he was saying, perhaps? But it's pretty clear from this passage that they had no expectation of the resurrection. When the women came and said, he's not there, they should have been like, we knew it. But... <laughs> That's clearly not what happened. They were not expecting that result. They weren't expecting that report from the women. It's easy for us, guys, 2,000 years later to be like, you guys, he said it. But really, in that moment, some believe the disciples were in hiding. They were afraid they'd be arrested or maybe they were ashamed because they had deserted Jesus like he said that they would. They were probably broken with grief, you can imagine. They had lost their friend, the most incredible teacher they had ever known. And they had lost their hope that, that the Messiah had come, which is what they were looking for in him. 
And they were gathered to comfort each other. They were together, but they were not there to wait for Jesus to rise. But when the women came breathless to the door with this unbelievable account of what they had encountered at the tomb, I can't imagine what started to go through their minds. And those women, their faith, their faith in what they had seen became a catalyst for Easter Sunday morning, for what would come next. The women believed without ever having seen the risen Jesus. And their faith was big enough to convince Peter and also John. John tells us in his gospel, read that account, it's hilarious. John's like, and the other, the other disciple went with Peter. Luke's account doesn't say that. But in John's account, he's like, and outran Peter to the, to the tomb. Don't worry about it. I was faster. It doesn't matter. But it's literally in there. That's just for later for you. So Peter and John had to go and see for themselves, Scripture says. But John says they still didn't understand. And here in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, it says that Peter was wondering what had happened. The Jews were looking for the Christ, Christos in the Greek, or Messiah in the Hebrew. They both mean anointed with sacred oil. And so the title of Christ means the anointed one, like uppercase A, uppercase O. And in the Old Testament, you'll see that anointing was used to signify some very specific roles. For It was for a prophet, a priest, or a king. If someone was anointed with oil, they were being set apart for a special ministry in one of those areas. And the Jews knew that when the Christ came, when the Messiah came, that he was going to be all three. Not an anointed one like they had had, but the anointed one, which is who is the one that they knew that they needed. And this Christ would be able to do and fulfill all three things. He was going to be able to speak on behalf of God as a prophet. He was going to make sacrifices for sin as a priest. And he was going to rule over them by establishing his kingdom. And that's a big ask, those three things together. And only God's anointed one would be able to do it, to be all that was required. And they had almost had it. Maybe, just maybe it was Jesus. But then he was dead and now, according to the women, he's missing. But the women had said, what the angel had told them, is it too much to believe that maybe, just maybe, he really was the Christ? The confusion and the skepticism of the disciples actually is a, is a major evidence for um, the truth of the resurrection. They weren't, they weren't uh, making up this story. They were talking in all, every account talks about how they didn't believe. They weren't waiting. So clearly something changed in this story. They wouldn't have invented the resurrection because they didn't see it and they weren't waiting for it. They had lost hope. They had sunk into despair. They were maybe in hiding. But they were not looking for a way to spin this, do a PR thing for Jesus here. They were looking for a way to understand how everything went so wrong, according to them. But then, but then, Pastor Ethan, come and read to us about the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emos, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from re recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, 
their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But he had hoped that he was, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I confess, friends, I love this story. Like, I like all the resurrection stories, of course. I love all of the accounts. But this one, oh, I just love it. I love that the disciples are unknown, like us. Like, Cleopas and the other guy, like nobody, like, who is the other guy? I don't know. Could be you. I don't know. Could be me. Any one of us, clearly, in, probably, almost certainly in the original, uh, when, when the first audience, the original hearers of this gospel, the readers, uh, they would have known who this meant. Everybody would have known this story in the first century for sure. Um, so it wasn't necessary to necessarily name him. The early church would have known exactly who they were talking about. But I just love this picture of Jesus walking down the road with them. Like, we never hear about them. Even Cleopas is like, who? Like, this is the only time he's ever mentioned. But this is like these two disciples walking and talking together. And I find it fascinating that Jesus could be in their presence talking to them and they not know it was him. And I love that beautiful moment of revelation. You might already suspect where I'm going with this this morning. They had said, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. To redeem means to pay a price, like to, um, to pay, pay a ransom to free a slave. So they were saying we had hoped that he was going to be the one to pay the price to, to do the thing that needed to be done so that we could be free because we're in slavery to the Romans right now. We are in a, we're under, the, under their rule or under their oppression because that's how the, the Jews saw themselves. And I think we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel is one of the saddest phrases in Scripture. Talk about people whose hopes and dreams had been shattered. And what is more, 
It's the third day since all this took place. See, you and I, we hear third day and we're like, yeah, three days later, right? This is like our Easter Sunday thing. This was not what was going on here. In the Jewish culture, the third day was the day they believed that um, the soul left the body. So if somebody was still dead after three days, they were really, really gone. This kind of was the idea here. Maybe they had something in their minds that, that, that Jesus had said something about rising from the dead on the third day. Maybe that was part of what they were thinking. But even so, it was the third day and there was no Jesus. So, so either way, it was just such a hopeless statement. How foolish you are. I love how Jesus just like lays it right into them right there. How foolish you are. How slow to believe all the, all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer all these things and then enter his glory? Because somehow Jesus' followers had not understood or had not wanted to realize that the Christ would have to suffer and die. Um, honestly, it was prophesied so clearly. Jesus had repeatedly warned them that this was going to happen to him. And yet they assumed that his death was the end and that Israel would have to continue to wait for their Redeemer, their Messiah. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Have you ever had a, a bunch of pieces to something and not understood how or if they went together? I put together an Ikea dresser a few weeks ago. <laughs> Maybe that's enough said. That's where I started. That's the hallway in our upstairs of our house. you got to lay the blanket down, guys, because you don't want to scratch it. That's how it goes with the Ikea furniture. You are staring at a 1,000 pieces. It's not the 25 pieces of wood that I, it's, the, it's that box on the right. You know when you open that bag of hardware and you dump it out and you're thinking, there's just no way I'm going to find a home for all of these pieces. You're staring at these thousands of pieces of hardware, all of these pieces of wood, and you're wondering how this is going to become anything. What if you vaguely knew it was something that was going to hold clothes, but you didn't know what it was going to look like? This is a mom three-drawer dresser, in case you're wondering. If you vaguely knew that it was something to hold clothes, but didn't know what it looked like, and what if you didn't have those beautiful step-by-step -step Picto Ikea instructions, which I love, by the way. I don't know if I have a picture of those, but do I have that? Yeah, come on. What if you didn't know, have those, those Picto instructions? And um, I just want to see if I can get a witness this morning. I weirdly like putting Ikea furniture together. Who is on this team with me? Mm, it's so satisfying when it's done. That's why. I timed myself from that first photo because I also like, I, you know, I talk, talk about how I'm competitive. I compete with myself as well. So I timed myself one hour, 15 minutes by myself to put together that dresser. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. And at 41 years old, I was sore the next day from sitting on the floor for that long. Don't worry about it. Why do I like putting together IKEA furniture? Because this mess becomes something beautiful and functional if you carefully follow the instructions. Those instructions are not trying to confuse you. I know you might think otherwise. They have warnings and notes all over them to make sure that you turn the piece the right way so you don't put it on backwards, so you don't have to undo everything that you did. You have to use the right screws. Sometimes it'll be like, these screws look the same. This one's taller than this one. Make sure that you use this one or whatever. Like there's pictures all the way through. Have you guys not done Ikea furniture? You know, you know about this, right? I know you guys are like, we never paid attention to the instructions. That's why. 
If you pay attention to the instructions, you get what you need. And if you either give up before you start or you, I've heard people do this. Don't be this person who's just like, I can figure this out by myself and tries to just assemble it from like your spirit. I just don't. <laughs> Some of you can do it, but don't. It's, if, you try, if you give up before you start or you try to do it on your own, you create disaster. You don't create the dresser. And this to me is a little bit of the picture of, here of the road to Emmaus. Jesus says, please forgive the heresy. Jesus says, I told you I was building a dresser. I've been telling you all along I was building a dresser. And everything you were seeing and experiencing were all components of that dresser. And the fact is that all the scriptures you've learned since you were children were showing you just how this dresser would come together. But I can see that you're not seeing it. So let me start on page one. I know it's a little bit of heresy, but you know what I'm saying. Jesus walks them through the manual, the scriptures from Moses, which is the laws and the sacrifices and the tabernacle, to the prophets who told about how this would all happen and, and how the Messiah, how he would live and die and how he would rise from the dead and how he would live forever. And he walks them through the manual. And then Jesus, oh, this is just like a fun thing that Luke puts in here. I don't, nobody's really sure why, but Jesus waits to be invited to stay with them. Maybe there's something in that. He doesn't force himself into their home for dinner. And then he breaks bread in front of them and the pieces come together. They just go, were not our hearts burning within us? Didn't we know that there was something more? Didn't we know that this wasn't the end? And so their reaction to, like, this was no small thing. They weren't like, oh, that's neat. Oh, that's cool. Like, this is not. They, they picked up from there, and they ran 11 kilometers back into Jerusalem. What is 11 kilometers from here? Like, Waterloo. Who lives 11 kilometers from here at Freedom? Far. It's far, right? You just go, I, I can't believe what has just happened. I can't believe what I have just understood. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. We have to, like, literally everybody has to know. Uh, they're in Jerusalem. We're here. It's not going to be a problem. I'm going to run 11 kilometers right now back and let them know that we just saw Jesus. He explained everything to us and broke bread in front of us. He was the one we, they were waiting for, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the perfect prophet, priest, and king, the one who would fulfill everything that was needed to bring salvation. That's why he walked them through the scriptures so that they would understand these things. And so I wonder for us this morning the same thing. How about you? Do you recognize your need to hear from God, the real God, the one who created you, the prophet? Do you recognize your need for someone to pay for the sin in your life that you really, you can't deal with on your own, no matter how many good things you do to try to make up for it? You need the priest. Do you recognize your need to have the true king give leadership to your life? I got to tell you, everywhere you go, specifically now here in this moment and wherever you are off campus, you are in the presence of the Christ because he is risen and he's alive. And my question to each one of you is, does your heart burn within you? Listen, Easter is intentional. We have the opportunity to uh, look back through the scriptures just like the disciples 
were, were walked through them on the road to Emmaus. And we can ask ourselves the exact same question this morning. What do we believe about Jesus? The worries of our lives can wear at our faith. The circumstances um, and the suffering and the struggle of our daily lives can create distance from God. These things happen so easily. It reminded me as I was writing this, that old hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. I'm prone to wander. I know that. So today, on Easter Sunday morning, we anchor our faith in the truth that we find in the word. Maybe today your face is downcast and you feel hopeless like Cleopas and the other guy. But you're hearing this story again this morning in the songs, in the spoken word, in the scriptures, and your heart is burning within you. And today you are, are, are feeling it again. You're, you're remembering that you, you are trusting Christ as the source of your life, the source of your joy, and your confidence that death is not the end for you. Because of Christ, we have the promise of eternal life, eternity with him. Maybe this story uh, is, is one that you've heard more times than you can count in your life. But like the disciples, the reminder of who the Messiah is this morning kind of has you ready to run 11 kilometers back to Jerusalem and share the joy of it with anyone who will listen to you in your life. Does your heart burn within you? Or maybe this morning for you, this is your first encounter with Jesus. That's okay. We're so glad that you're here to hear about him because we love to talk about him because he's changed us. He's really, really changed us. Maybe you don't fully understand everything, but something in you, maybe something in your heart is burning this morning too. You're starting to put together that Jesus died for your, your sin. Maybe you're ready this morning to invite him into your life, to trust him with your life, to trust him with your eternity. Maybe you're ready today. Your heart is burning within you. And you're like, I, I get it enough that I want to decide to follow Jesus and learn what it means to be his disciple. For every heart today that is encountering his death and resurrection, every heart that is burning within them, I want you to know that from whatever place you are at today, whatever place you are at, you are invited to know him more deeply. You are invited to trust him every day. You were invited to worship him. And we are going to conclude this morning by declaring our faith, which I'm going to call this morning responding to our burning hearts. Responding to that knowledge, that deep knowledge that this is not all that there is, but that Jesus is real. He really is risen and he really is inviting you into relationship with him. And that's becoming new for some of you today. That's a first time decision for some of you today. And for some of you, it's a decades old truth that you're just excited to celebrate again. But first, before we do that in our concluding song, we just thought it would be great to not just hear from me. Um, as much as I would love to like yell on and on about Jesus today. We can do that next week and the week after and the week after and the week after. But I want you to hear some stories today of how Jesus is alive and he's moving in his church. And these aren't necessarily specifically related to the passage, but we just, as a staff, we're talking about how important it is to remember and to be reminded constantly how God is alive 
how Jesus really is risen and he is moving and working in and among his church. So I want to invite Jide to come. I'm going to start with you and then after Jide, have Chris. And we want to give Jide this red mic on your way up. That would be great. Jide is going to share with us something really exciting that's just been, uh, that happened recently. So go ahead and share with us, Jide. And thanks for that spoken word this morning. You're welcome. It's always, every spoken word we do, I'm like, that one was my favorite. <laughs> that one was my favorite. <laughs> That's good. Share, share with us this morning. Um, so I think some of you uh, remember that uh, video, little interview I did where we talked about Alpha. And um, I had a couple more of my friends uh, come to Alpha again. And uh, these friends I'd been talking with, I've known them for probably since 2015, 2016. And uh, of course, the, the topic of religion and Christianity would come up in our conversations. And uh, they started just getting more curious and curious. And I invited them out to Alpha, and they came. And it's just been, I guess, a few-year journey for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple weeks ago, um, they, they accepted Christ on Alpha Amen. over a Zoom call. Thank you, Lord. So. Exciting. That's the end of your story. Simple. Simple and plain. You can give that to Chris on his way up. Uh, I love that. In case you don't know, Alpha is, and they, it's all on Zoom. Uh, it's, it's a small group that introduces people to the Christian faith, uh, kind of, and really answers some of the hard questions, uh, and it does it in a really, really uh, relevant way, a really helpful way, and lots of discussion. So thank you, Judy, for faithfully inviting your friends. And we, I don't know them, but I'm, we're celebrating with them. Uh, not because we're like, all right, good job, Judy, but because it's like, they, they get, they get this now. They get to have graves turn into gardens in their lives, and they get a new life in Christ. And so we're always just so excited when we hear that. Um, and so a lot of stuff's been going on with you too, Chris. It's been quite a few good six months, five months. Uh, share with us what's yeah. been going on in your life. Okay, Chris, so I've by the way, been... sorry, sorry. Chris is our custodian, and we love Chris just on so many levels. He's one of our favorite people. <laughs> Custodi a good custodian is hard to find, friends, and this one... We have been blessed with. I'm sorry, you go. Yeah. I'm nervous. <laughs> Thank you. I've been here almost nine years now. And my journey with, with, with um, the, my whole journey with Christ has been since I started here. Mm. I've always been a believer. Um, when I was young, I was 12 years old, I was um, sitting at a campfire with my father and a friend of his. My father had a heart attack. And he died right there. Mm. And I've always remembered that. So I was working here um, December 9th, recently, and uh, putting some stuff away after some, some Christmas filming for the children. And when I was putting away one of the um, props, a mountain, I heard a big bang. It was in my head. Mm. Um, and I felt a, a sharp pain. And I thought I had pulled a muscle. So I... Um, stopped what I was doing and I went and I sat down and it got a little worse and I thought I'll try having a drink of water. I went and got a drink of water and sat back down and I realized what was happening and I was scared, very scared. I started to panic actually. Um, I didn't know what to do. I got up, I walked over and I said hi to Erin. <laughs> she said, how are you doing? I said, good. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> so I walked Chris. away. I turned around. I walked up to the front office here, and I went in. I knocked on Tracy's door and waited for her to answer. And I walked in, and I said, uh, hi. Can you call 911? I think I'm having a heart attack. 
exactly how it happened. I wasn't sure. I thought I might forget, but uh -huh. um, Tracy took charge, which was very nice. And thank you welcome. very much. It's the spiritual gift of bossiness. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. It's I don't okay. have that. It's okay. Yeah. So she told me to sit down. She moved a table away, and I sat down on her couch. <clears throat> and um, she called 911, and I was panicking. I was so scared. I was thinking of my son and what would happen. I was thinking, who's going to take care of my dog? <laughs> He's a handful. Um, so, and then Tracy called, uh, and then she called Rob, and he came into the office, and they prayed for me. And the moment they started praying, I started to calm down. Honestly, in that moment, I felt Jesus. For the first time in my life, I knew, honestly, the first time I knew Jesus. And he was there. I needed him, and he was there. I had not known that before, honestly. I never, ever felt it. But right there and then I felt it. I calmed down. The panic went away. Um, the ambulance came. They cut my shirt off in front of everyone. <laughs> you know. I did not I'm see that. I didn't see that. That's funny. <laughs> she did. Everyone saw I did not. I did not. <laughs> I did not. That's hilarious. I did not know that. Oh, my gosh. They this hooked me all up, and, and, but it was okay. I was okay because I knew I was with him. He was yeah. fine. I, I was going to be fine because Jesus was with me. Yeah. My whole body, my feet and my hands started to go numb, but my whole body was calm. Mm. Peace. I was, I've never felt peace the way that I felt peace in that moment. So they did their thing. They took me to the hospital, and the doctor messed up. He broke a vein in my arm. I ended up spending five days in the hospital and three and a half months trying to recover, still am. And then I came back to work, and I've never felt so good. I've also never felt so close to Jesus. Awesome. I thank him. Desperately, I thank him. And every day I know he's with me. Amen. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Just need a minute to find some words. The other day, at the, after the potluck, Chris was cleaning some stuff up, and I was chatting with him, and I, something came up. I said, he said, well, I used to do a job like that. I don't know what we were talking about. And, and I said, man, you've done so many different jobs. You've had so many lives. You're like a cat with nine lives. And he said, oh, yeah, but I'll tell you, um, I finally found something I really love. And, of course, I thought he meant being our custodian. <laughs> 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 which he does, which I know you love. And he's like, I really finally found something I really love. And I was like, oh, yeah? He's like, Jesus. It's Jesus. So with that, I ask you, friends, does your heart burn within you because he's real? And he invites all of us to know him. He invites all of us to the kind of peace that Chris described. He invites all of us to the kind of new life that G-Day's friends have just walked into and chosen for their lives. He invites all of us to it. And so if that's a new thing for you, I want to invite you. You're like, I don't know about this, but I really want to know more. I want to invite you to talk to the person you came with.
who knows, who, who says, if they've told you that they're a Christian, ask them about it. If you don't have anybody you can ask or don't feel comfortable, go to our website, freedomkw.com life. Just do that little form there, and we will be so delighted to connect with you and talk through what it would be like to, uh, to start a relationship with Jesus. We would just be, like, utterly delighted to do that with you. But for all of us, if your heart is burning within you this morning, and you're like, yeah, I want to reaffirm the fact that I do believe. I do believe that you died and that you rose again. I do believe that you, you came for me, that you paid the price for me, that you made that choice specifically so that you could save all of us, Jesus, and I get to choose to be in a relationship with you. I believe in all of it. I want to declare that together. So in worship team, I'm going to invite you to come back. Um, as you guys... As you guys set up, we are going to have in this next song a reading of the Apostles' Creed, a, a, like a, a very, very old declaration of faith that's been a part of Christendom for a very long time. When you see it on the screen, I want you to read it with our readers. And as we declare our faith in this song, I just want you to allow that burning heart within you to, to be a declaration of your faith. So Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for these stories of your presence, of your life-transforming power. We thank you, Lord, that um, we can trust you with our lives. That no matter uh, what, what we think about uh, church or what we, experiences we've had in the past or whatever it is, that the center of everything is always you. So thank you that in you, we are never disappointed. In you, we always have exactly what we need. In you, we have found forgiveness for our sins. In you, we have found new life. In you... We can have those things in our lives that uh, we're dead and buried with you, and then in, in their place, you create beautiful things for us. We declare with burning hearts today, as we look at, the, at what you accomplished on the cross, we declare that we believe in you, Jesus. We believe that you died, we believe that you rose again, and we believe that we get to spend eternity with you when our faith is in you, and we're so grateful. So for any of us who, who just do need to, to come to that place again of making that decision, I just ask you, Lord Jesus, come and do a work in each heart. Speak to each person who's calling out, any person whose faith is dry and weary, any person who is struggling to make a decision whether or not you really are who you say you are. Lord, we invite you to come and, and do in our hearts what you want to do and speak what you need to speak. And we thank you for it in your name. Amen.